I'm going to talk about pride again a little bit this morning. And if you'll see the image, it says God wants to knock our eye out. <laughs> and um, just want to let you know, Wednesday evening, I shared um, the video of the special meeting uh, the Hagans asked us to come and minister at their men's conference. And so I decided just because I just came from that meeting to show it on Wednesday night, but I did not broadcast it just because it was sort of a closed meeting. But I will broadcast it because we only got through one point <laughs> of that meeting. So I'm going to cover through video Wednesday night. It's, if you were here, did you enjoy that? I mean, it was just, just really, really excellent. And there was a lot shared there. And the first point I talked about was pride. I'm going to go a little bit more at length here. But come back Wednesday night, because again, you can't view that via video, uh, because i just just going to keep it to Harvest Church folks that come. And if you're a guest, come, come on back. So let's talk about this morning, uh, this pride thing. How do we spell pride? P-R. What's in the middle of pride? I. All right, just, just bear with me for a minute. But uh, again, tell the person next to you, God's trying to knock your eye out. <laughs> Weren't those couples a blessing coming up here? You know, in that class, if you're going to have a successful marriage or relationship, you're going to have to have your eye knocked out. It's give and take. It's a teamwork. It's, it's uh, working together. But let's pray over this word today. Father, we thank you for this word and as we approach this word, you've placed some things on my heart. I thank you for giving me words to say that'll be such a blessing and revelation coming forth to see how this applies to me, how this applies to us. Father, we lean in to, to see what you want to say. What is the Spirit of the Lord saying to me today? And Father, help me with the grace of God. Help us with the grace of God to see it and then to act on it and do it and forever be changed and blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's talk about the dangers of pride today. I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12, and I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit after we read that scripture, but it's a very sobering scripture. It says, what a come down this, O Babylon, day star, son of dawn, flat on your face is the underworld mud. You famous for flattering nations? wonder who he's talking about. You said to yourself, I'll climb to heaven. Self-initiated works. I'll set my throne over the stars of God. In other words, I'm not satisfied with what God wants me to do. I want to take a higher position that he didn't give me. I'll run the assembly of the angels that meets on the sacred Mount Zaphon. I'll climb to the top of the clouds. As a matter of fact, I'll take over as king of the universe. But you didn't make it, did you? Instead of climbing up, you came down, down with the underground dead, down to the abyss of the pit. People will stare and muse, can this be the one who terrorized the earth and its kingdoms, turned earth to a moonscape, wasted its cities, shut up his prisoners to a living death? Is this the person that did this? Now, who's this referring to? This is referring to Lucifer. And... Uh, he was of the highest order of angels in heaven. A uh, created being from God, had different responsibilities, had a very, very good beginning. God had an assignment for Lucifer. Uh, he was full of beauty. You can read this in uh, Ezekiel 28, and I'll just read Isaiah 14. Full of beauty, originally perfect, the anointed cherub, had, a, had the hand of God upon 
his life to accomplish something. One that was covering the throne, song leader and musician of heaven. And I'm telling you, when God has really gifted you, you really want to make sure you stand under good leadership and around good people that will help keep you stable and help keep you humble. Because without God's gifting, what would we be? The gifting's not for us, not for us to be celebrated. Our gifting is to serve others and to point toward Jesus. Any good that God does through me, I want it to defer to Him and give any, any, any sanction, any, any step forward ought to always bring glory to God somewhere. So we could see that Lucifer had good beginnings, but then there was a secret sin. What was that secret sin? Well, we just read it. Lust for pride. Lust for power. The three things we're going to always be uh, tempted in in life, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So we have to submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. But also, there's just some things in our flesh. We're going to have to feed our spirit man so our spirit man is dominant over things that come toward our eyes and we cast down imaginations and things that we're tempted with in our flesh that we don't do and we act in a Christ-like manner. So the secret sin was lust for pride and power. You know, you might say it's a secret, but Numbers 32.23 says, and this is sobering, be sure your sin will find you out. You might say, I can do this privately, I just do this. You know, one of the reasons why uh, you haven't been caught yet is because of God's mercy. And God's dealing with us behind the scene before anything has to be exposed. God's mercy is new every morning. And, and he, he tries to draw us. It's the compassion and love of God that leads people to repentance you know, but one thing's for sure, whatever's done in secret will eventually be known publicly. And um, come on, every single one of us in this room today, God dealt with us about some private things so it didn't have to become public, right? So there was a secret sin, and uh, the Word says, be sure of this thing, your sin will find you out. Or in other words, your sin will track you down. Or in other words, your sin will catch up to you. You might just say, well, I'm just going to go out with a bang. I'll just do it one more time. I would say, just don't do that one more time. Let's go ahead and come to God for help and, and, and let Him heal us or even free us from that thing. So there was good beginnings. There was secret sin. And then there was tragic endings. Pride turned the highest order of angel into a devil. He became known as a serpent or the devil. He became known for the, as being the source of sin, the spirit of deception. And, and his assignment is to steal, kill, and destroy while Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. He's called a destroyer now of the church, but he, he's going to be cast down into the pit. And, and you know what? Jesus whipped him and defeated him. So we don't, know to, we don't need to be afraid of the devil because fear is never of God. Every step forward, if it would cause wrong fear to come at you, anything that, any source that comes toward you that generates fear is not God. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but He has given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. Say it with me. I have a spirit of power, of love, and I have a sound mind. Spirit of fear, get out of here in Jesus' name. I, it's, I, it's been heard 
and I'm not sure if it's true, but I know that many, many, many times in the Bible when Jesus shows up, what does he say? Fear not. And I heard there's 365 times the word says fear not. It's for every day of the year. So uh, fear is something we have to deal with. But I thank God fear is destroyed in my life. I cried out to God, and He delivered me from all of my fears. It still tries to come against us sometimes, but we have to stand up against it. Because like faith moves God, fear moves the devil. And we have to make sure we're yielded to the right spirit. Now, our fallen enemy who Jesus whipped and destroyed, now he tries to bring into our life condemnation. He tries to get us into disobedience. Anybody that's slandering someone else is not yielded to God. He'll try to just come, come around crafty. He's a liar. You know, he disguises himself as an angel of light. So that's why we need to have the light of God's Word so in our eyes, in our heart, and in our lives so we, we, can, we can see any disguise or any fraud. He schemes. He's called our adversary. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He seeks someone he may devour. He's the oppressor. He's the tempter. So you could see someone that started out good had something secret going on in their life. And then we could see tragic endings. But let me just go ahead and insert something here to give you some joy today. Thank God the devil is defeated. He might try to come against us in these ways, but Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, God said in His Word, on this rock, the Word we're getting today, the Word that we get in our personal times of devotion, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Our foe is defeated. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made them sh show them openly. Oh, thank God for victory in Jesus. But the main thing we're talking about today is how, how did the enemy fall? Pride. The devil was on the right track at one time. And like I said uh, a couple weeks ago, one of the reasons why he hates you so much is because it's not too late for you to get back on the right track, but it's too late for him. He slipped off on eternity. He can't, he can't rededicate his life to the Lord anymore. So let God speak to us today. If there's any adjustments, if there's any things we need to deal with today, come on. Let's get it right before God. His mercies. Thank God. He is so merciful. So he's called the tempter. He tries to bait people with a decoy. He tries to lure them into his trap of sin. He tries to feed people lies contrary to the truth. I think it was the uh, uh, Apostle Peter that was warning, warning the church before he was going on to be with the Lord in Acts chapter 20, verse 29. He said, I know that after I'm gone, ferocious wolves will, will get in among you, not sparing the flock. That's not good. You know, not everybody means right and good. Some people try to come in and disrupt the flock. You better pay attention to that. Don't get sucked up into it. Plus, when we find out about it, we, we, we take care of things. 
Even from among your own selves, men will come to, to the front who by saying perverse and distorted and corrupt things will endeavor to draw you, lure you, bait you away from the disciples after them to their own party. Man, just be where you're supposed to be. Be in your own company. Tim Keller said it like this, you can't say anything is crooked unless, unless there's a straight edge somewhere. Let me say it again. You can't say anything is crooked unless there's a straight edge somewhere. I wonder who our straight edge is. I wonder who our plumb line is. I, I, I wonder who our, you know, our level is. He determines what's straight so we can recognize everything that's crooked. Folks, if, 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 if I could just stop and, and just stare at you for about two hours, that would be scary. But Dad Hagen tried to get into us these thoughts before he went to be in the to grandstands of heaven. He said, the greatest need for the body of Christ today is to renew their mind on the straight edge, is to renew their mind on the Word of God. The greatest need for the body of Christ was compare their life to the plumb line. And God holds the plumb line and determines what's vertical. But if you don't see something straight before you, you're liable to get off. Crooked, out of balance. Amos 7, 7 says, Thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord was standing by a vertical wall with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said, What do you see, Amos? And I said, I see a plumb line. Then the Lord said, Behold, I'm about to put a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I'll not spare them. In other words, I think God was saying, I see some things that are crooked, and they're measuring their goodness on some other standard that is not mine. So let me hold this standard in my hand. This is God's hand. I'm not God. You all know that. Tell the person next to you, that's for sure. And tell the person next to you, that's, and you aren't either. But anyway, when God holds a plumb line, that's vertical. God's Word is our plumb line. God's Word is what we know what is straight and right. And God's Word, sometimes when we look at that plumb line, we realize, man, I got off a little bit here, or I need to adjust my attitude here, or, or oh, so that's what God thinks about marriage. Oh, so that's what restroom I should go into. Oh, so this is a lifestyle that, that God says is right. Oh, so this is a lifestyle that God says is wrong. Yet the world, again, when we, when we speak about the plumb line and God's measure and God's vertical and God's, God's perfect and God's flawless, and the, the, the world calls this plumb line hate speech. Did you ever know the ones that are coming against us are the ones spewing hate on us? We're just speaking the truth. And, and really the reason why people get so irritable is because when light turns on and you're in stuff, you want to go hide. Thank God, He's our plumb line. That Word. You want to think straight? Renew your mind on the Word. How many want to fulfill the will of God for your life? Let me tell you something. It would be impossible, say impossible, for you to fulfill the will of God if you don't renew your mind on the Word of God because it proves what is a good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. 
Every day I listen to the Word. Every day I get that Word in me. Every day. Yeah, and I make small adjustments along the way. Just small adjustments and comparing myself to the plumb line. You know, you can compare, you can compare yourself with someone else and think you're doing really good. But God didn't say that. He said it's foolishness to compare yourself to someone else. But boy, when we compare ourselves to Jesus every day, the Word of God every day, come on now, we're growing more into His image. So that plumb line is a string weight attached at the end, and builders use that plumb line to show true vertical. It's a true vertical when God holds that plumb line in His hand, right? How many of you heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa in Italy? Did you know it's 12 feet 10 inches away from being perfectly vertical? That's just, you know the story behind the story? I like it, so here it goes. So in Wikipedia, the, uh, not in Wikipedia we trust, but gave some facts. But the tower began to lean during construction in the 12th century due to soft ground. Uh, I could just stop here and say, what's your foundation? Uh, are, you, are we building on sand? which when the storms of life come, it's going to destroy whatever we built upon that sand or is it upon that rock? Is it measured against that plumb line? Is it measured against, you know, the different, uh, the, the truth? But the reason why it began to lean is because it had soft ground. It could not properly support the structure's weight. It deteriorated through the completion of the construction in the 14th century, but by 1990, the tilt was 5.5 degrees and the structure was stabilized <laughs> the structure was stable. It was crooked, so it had to be what? Stabilized by corrective work. That's what happens when we're in times like this. All of a sudden, the light turns on. All of a sudden, something's revealed. And don't get upset. Don't get irritated. Don't get an attitude toward me. I'm just the messenger. But how's your life measured up against that plumb line today? We may become blind to our own leaning away from God's standard if we don't compare ourselves to God's Word, not to others. See, there's certain things I know I need to do. I can't put that on you, but I measure myself uh, against the Word of God. And that's why Paul said, follow me. What? As I follow the plumb line. As I follow the Lord, as I follow that, that vertical, that flawless word. I, I will always follow the leaders that God has connected me to as long as they follow the Lord. Now, if they veer from uh, good character or they start doing things opposed from the word of God, well, I can no longer follow that. I'm so thankful we all still have a chance to check our plumb line. What's his name? His name is Jesus. And we can check our level. But we could see that Satan began to come against that level, that plumb line. He started mocking God's word. The devil got off track through pride. The devil got off track through rebellion. And if he fell through pride, that's going to be his number one temptation Especially when something good happens to you, all of a sudden a thought will come, see how good I am? See how smart I am? You see what, see, see, see what I did? Oh yeah, I did it my way. No, your next breath comes from heaven. What are you going to do about that if it doesn't give you one? 
The next time you think you're all that, what if God withheld your gifting at that time? Whew, come on, that's, we're dependent on God. Revelation 12, 9 says, and the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now Satan's goal is to disqualify us as Christians from our race. God's word is our level. So that little, that, those two little lines there is where God says things are level. I wonder what our life is when we compare it to the level of God's Word. Do you know we can get out of balance? I wonder if this detail is... It's perfect. I was scared because Kurt was banging on it the other week. <laughs> so that is not a... Okay. So that's, that's... Yeah. So anyway, how's your level? How's your plumb line? We don't want to yield to the same spirit of pride. We don't want to be disqualified for our race. Proverbs 16, 18 says, first pride, then a crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Proverbs 28, 25 says, he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. If you're an instigator of strife, you are in a bunch of pride. Sometimes you want your own way and and people do it a little different. Uh, no, no, don't stir up strife, because strife opens up the door to all kinds of bad stuff. Behold how good and how what? Pleasant it is. I mean, in your family, you better, you better make peace at all costs in your relationships and in your marriage and your, you know, as far as you can in the workplace with your kids. Strive being stirred up, we better talk about this because it's not going to stay around me. And if it insists, I will, I will have to leave. Because I need God in my life. It depends on Him being able to, you know, His hand upon our life, removing burdens and destroying yokes. But when someone stirs up strife, come on, everybody has that one person they go to, hey, listen, I'm not supposed to tell anybody, but did you hear? And then they go tell their buddy, and they go there tell the buddy, and say, here's the way you should respond next time. Hey, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but did you know this was going on? I say, hey, hey, let's go ahead and go, go uh, talk to them right now to make sure we have clarity, and then if necessary, we'll just bring it to leadership together, all of us. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I shared some pretty transparent things this past Wednesday night on that time together. We had a particular employee quit and clear out their stuff in the middle of the night without permission. They made sure they were on camera, but they were stirring up stuff. They left wrong, but they didn't know I had a nice severance package for them if they had left right. I was going to bless them. 
Strife needs two parties working in pride to operate, refuse to be that second party. Say with me, I'm not going there. Mm-mm. You bring something to me, I'm not. Listen, if people bring a bunch of trash to you all the time, I wonder if that's a good reflection about our life. I am not a trash disposal. I know how to take the trash out, as a matter of fact. You know, this is um, one of the things over the past few weeks that's been come to my attention is I think, I think the church and even the world in general, for sure the world in general, has lost the spirit of the fear of the Lord. If people can do some of this stuff and talk behind people's back, I mean, do you, I mean, and God's word, his plumb line says it's not right. And, and then override our conscience and peace and stir up strife and mess. But you don't know what they did. It's, listen, the higher road's always going to be the best road. Not going to always feel good to your flesh. Again, there's times as a pastor, and again, I'm not complaining. It's just part of my job. I stand up here when I know some of you know stuff I can't even talk about. And I just have to let God deal with things and him vindicate things and know that, God, I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to walk in integrity. No matter what anybody else does, I'm going to walk in honor. And by faith, I'm going to trust you to work this thing out. Now, when I have to, I will address things. But there's certain things I just can't sometimes. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is when you focus on I in the center of your life, no matter what your decision does to others or affects others. Pride. Pride thinks I'm the smartest one in the room. If you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> About three left. <laughs> you can always learn in any room. Man, I, I was, I, when they were up here doing the announcements today, I was just sitting back there getting ministered to. I was like, you guys just go ahead and take over. That was awesome stuff, wasn't it? Well, you have to come back next week because they talked my time away. And our time's just about up. It happened again. D.L. Moody said, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. I wonder if we really want to be refilled with God again. Well, maybe we should just empty ourselves of ourselves. Say, so God, I, 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 I want more of you. We sang about it this morning. Pride's when you hear someone's advice, but you think you don't need it. Maybe it doesn't apply all the time, but there's something there. Be, a, be aware of it. It could save your life. Yesterday, we had the privilege of having um, a Greensboro College baseball team here. As a matter of fact, when we bowed our heads, several hands were raised to be saved yesterday in our brave. But one of the things I talked to the guys about, if, if you're uncoachable, if you're harsh, if, you, if you're fault-fighting, especially if you have kids, what do you think is going to get in them? Did you know a lot of times I can, get a, I can get a vibe on what the parents think about me by what their kids think about me and how they treat me? Boy, I'm getting all my secrets out. <laughs> uncoachable kids become unemployed adults. 
uncoachable kids become incarcerated adults. Now let me just finish on this this morning, and, and I didn't realize, but we're going to have to bring this back next week. Is that all right? By that time, Joseph will be here, and I'll knock his eye out. <laughs> right? He's coming in Friday. Yay! Think about the uncoachable athlete. Now, over my uh, athletic career, there sure enough were some athletes that were uncoachable. Let's just think about this in our life. The uncoachable athlete is usually a finger pointer. Let's all point our finger. Notice you're not pointing at someone else. How many figures you got coming back at you? So, yeah, a four sort of going up. God's saying, I got you. <laughs> They're a finger pointer. Not my fault. It was their fault. It was their fault. Blaming teammates, opponents, officials, weather conditions, the crowd, or even the alignment of the sun, the moon, the stars, whenever things go wrong. It wasn't my fault. It's just so refreshing. When someone makes a mistake, they own up to it. Oh, it's so refreshing. It's just so refreshing. You know what? I missed it. I, 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 I didn't see it right. Forgive me. Let me make that right. As much as I can. The uncoachable athlete says, the sun was in my eyes and I slipped because of field conditions. And let's face it. That's why we lost. I'm telling you, the ref was blind as a bat. I was safe. No. That could be true. <laughs> Oops. But anyway, uh, whenever the coach tries to provide the, listen, whenever the coach tries to provide this kind of athlete with any constructive feedback, even if it's mild, it's so difficult to work with eggshell people. The uncoachable athlete becomes highly defensive. When you're hearing the word today, are you talking up underneath my, your, your voice? Oh, that's not me. That's for someone else. That's no, we're here. Who's here today? Three of us, right? Who's here today? Yeah, we need to hear this. If one thing comes on the inside of us to help us realize, man, I got to evaluate myself. How teachable have I been? How coachable have I been? Have I had an attitude when someone spoke lovingly a truth in my life that exposed some things or the light came on? One of the things my wife and I tried to get into our kids' heart, if, if, if you leave our house, one of the things, most importantly, we want to make sure you are is teachable. Teachable. All your life. All your life. Be teachable. If you're not teachable, you can no longer grow. If you're not teachable, there's a place that God can get into where He can't even help you because you just won't listen. Remember all the times I got in trouble? Man, maybe I didn't listen to his word or I didn't follow my conscience or I overrode my peace or maybe my wife spoke something I overlooked or, or my leaders tried to warn me. But this uncoachable player, if they don't argue with the coach outright, they make it perfectly clear through their posture come on they might be taking it but they might be going you know you know what I mean I don't, that, I don't even want to repeat that that looked really bad they make it perfectly clear through their posture through their facial expressions through their voice tone they think they're right and the coach is wrong 
And you know what? If you have that on your team, that little leaven can leaven the whole lump. That's why we, we, we make sure in our family we keep things straight. In this ministry, we keep things straight. I'm not saying you won't have different, different things. You can, be, you can have a disagreement without being disagreeable. We can learn from each other. We are better than me. So today, I just want to challenge us with this thought. Who can speak into your life? Do you let them? I mean, how can I work in this pride area? Man, just just repent. Change. Say, God, I, I need to deal with this. Why don't we just go ahead and do that right now? Just close your eyes and say, God... Forgive me if I've erred in any way. Father, help me to get things right. I know you placed humility on the inside of me. Self-control. I apologize for not being teachable. Refill me with a hunger for your word. Refill me with your Holy Spirit because I'm going to go ahead and clear myself out of the matter. Father, I submit to you so then I can resist the devil and he'll flee from me. Father, I thank you for the good leaders over my life. Help them speak the right thing into my life. I thank you for their covering. I thank you for their encouragement. But I also thank you for their correction. Father, I ask you to help me evaluate the friends that I have in my life that are on wrong paths. Those that will be good that can come and actually check my actions and now look up to me because this is a major point in red. If you hang around bad, rebellious people, sooner or later you're going to pay a big price. If you insist on hanging around wrong and bad people, sooner or later, you are going to pay a big price that you never thought you would have to pay. Cut them loose. And fathers, we cut wrong people loose out of our life. Bring good people into our life. And Father, may we all take on a servant's heart and attitude because it's the only way to fulfill our purpose. Father, thank you for your word today. We honor your word. We praise you for your word today. We humble ourselves under your hand today. We examine ourselves today. And we bow our heads today in Jesus' name. And if there's any of you here today that have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, oh man, it would be my distinct honor and privilege to lead you in a simple prayer. And here's what the word says about salvation. The Word of God says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And due to that sin, the Word says the wages of that sin is death. So we needed a Savior to come and die for our sins who was innocent so He could take on our penalty of death so that we could become saved and alive unto God once again. And on the third day, the Word word says that once Jesus paid the price, God raised Jesus from the dead. 
Jesus is alive. He's a Savior of the world. But have you, have you made him yours? So pray this prayer out loud with me, everyone. Say it with me. God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for all of my sin. I believe on the third day you raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, I see you're the Savior. You're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. I need you as mine. I repent. I'm turning away from my wrong. Forgive me of all my sins. Now I turn towards you. I ask you to save me. I receive you as my Savior. And now I confess you as my Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. We all agree by saying amen. Amen. All right.